So good to be with you this evening. It reminds me a lot of our space, my space as, as I co-pastor really close to here. We meet on Thursday nights because that's the night that works for our community, but we start with a meal and then uh, continue our worship. So it felt like home. Um, as a way of introduction, I am really glad that you guys have been on this journey of welcome. And more specifically, today about welcoming those who live with disabilities. But I wanna make a couple of uh, disclaimers, if you will, before I start. So one is that I am one in the estimated 54 million people who live with a disability. Therefore, I cannot speak for everyone that lives with a disability. So I hope tonight to speak from my own experience. And I hope that this is an open space where you feel free to ask any question. Um, I work with youth and children, and so they feel more free. Uh, I'm used to that. And so know that I will assume good intent. So feel free to, to ask anything. And then you have a pen and some paper. So we're gonna stop throughout it, and I'm gonna ask you to think first, to write, and then feel open to share the things that you write about. Cool? Sound good? Okay. So I am a pastor, a preacher. This is an identity that's taken me really long to like wear. Maybe it's because I still hear the sound of my father's voice. Um, and I picture myself as my 10-year-old self sitting on the couch and my dad is having one of those daddy-daughter talks. Ugh. But I listen and he says, Latia, I need to tell you that you need to prepare yourself. Um, you were born with three strikes against you. Yeah, you are a woman. You are African-American and you have a disability. I think at that moment I thought, what happened to like reach for the stars, the sky is the limit, right? Um, but as I've gotten older, I've appreciated my dad's words of warning that tell me, that remind me of my identity of being one who is African-American, a woman, and one who lives with a disability. But as I encounter new spaces often, I find that one of the things that I've mentioned that make up my identity overshadows the other two. So yes, I'm a woman and yes, I have, I'm an African-American, but questions usually arise around my disability. Huh, I wonder why that is. What is this thing about the word disability? I thought, I should look it up, and so because I teach youth uh, that are transitioning from high school into college or work, I thought I would look it up to see what the dictionary says, and I didn't like it. So I'm going to challenge you now to think of the word disability. Don't Google it, but what would be, how would you define disability? So I'll give you a little bit to, to write that down, and then feel free to share. Okay, if anybody's ready, they can start, and then we can just keep going. If I get one or two people, or three, we can share out. How would you define disability? Yes. Um, so I said disability is accessible to the world in a non-normative way. 
Mm-hmm. One more person. I just wrote a leg, couldn't write one. Okay. Oh, no, no, good. Wendy, why? Why did you say that? I'll be quick. Yeah. And then we'll go back there. It's fine. <laughs> well, because I didn't want, like, we kind of base things off of, we want to call it, like, normal. But what is normal? Like, we all have things that we need accommodations for, and um, just to varying degrees. So I had a hard time Okay, cool. And then behind Wendy. So I wrote, when an environment does not enable a person to be fully able, then the person has a disability. Ah, I love that one. Um, so let me tell you some ones that I've heard throughout my life, some words, you know, I've heard crippled, and I've heard gimp, I've heard slow, I've heard retarded, the R word. I've heard um, handicapped and by the way, uh, bathrooms and parking spaces are not handicapped, just so we know that, right? Um, <laughs> but I think that uh, one that sticks with me is one that I heard in, in church when I started to attend church. I went to the youth group, was getting to know all my youth group friends. This place is cool. And it was okay for me to meet with them in the basement. But as soon as we had to go outside of the four walls of the church to an event, I had to be taken into the pastor's office and, and had this discussion about how they weren't sure if it was safe. And the label or the definition that was tied with disability was liability. And so at that point, I learned that that word, words are powerful. They have the they create things in the Genesis account of creation. It says that God, however God created, words were spoken, right? And it was. And I, the last thing that is recorded to be uh, created was the human, right? And after that, we get this blessing and God says, and the human is good. Actually, it says, the human is very good. And I, I, I find myself thinking like, there's no qualifiers to that. There's no, the human is very good unless they have cerebral palsy, autism, bipolar, you name it, right? So the fact that we are human is what makes us bear the image of God, whether we have a disability or not. And so I think what we need to start with to be a more accessible place for people that have disabilities is that we are mindful of the words that we choose to use. Um, when we're in conversation with one another, when we um, preach, when we sing songs, I find myself, I don't know if this is a product of being a seminary student or or just my personality, but I critique almost everything when I'm not the one speaking, so you can feel free to critique me. But um, I find myself listening to songs to see how one with a disability is described. If we've thought about, um, you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I was blind, but now I see. To suggest that being blind is something bad and to have sight is something good. I don't know, so these are the things that roll around in my head. So 
part of what it means to be accessible does not first start with ramps or elevators, although those are good as well. Another thing I would suggest uh, that is required for being more accessible is that we would figure out a way to have a robust theology of disability, okay? How many of you, um, it was in like early, uh, late 80s, early 90s show, do you remember In Living Color, anybody? Yeah. All right, all right. So we had, <coughs> um, a lot of people got their start on that show, so uh, Jim Carrey and Jennifer Lopez, and then there was the Waynes Brothers, okay? So here, uh, I'll, I'll pause, we'll go back um, before we go there. So there is these, part of having a robust theology of disability is to know the images that come to mind when we think of disability. So if you can take a second and use your pen and paper again, and what are some of the images that come to your mind, maybe from things that you've seen in the media or in the magazine or just as you've experienced life? And anybody can feel free to share when you're ready. Yes, back there. Somebody raising their hand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I think of like Stephen Hawking. Okay, yeah. Genius, I'm not that smart. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? I, oh. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Anybody else? Wendy? Is it? Uh, I was thinking, like, when we were looking for an image to put, because, like, not market, but, like, <laughs> yeah. on Facebook about this event, yeah. I, the only things I could find to think about was, like, a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Literally, like, so, like, it seems like culturally we just see, see it as, we see only visible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. What else? Yeah. I thought a lot about like movies and things that I see, and it, I don't know, I thought through like, when have I seen something that was not either someone who needs saving or someone who's like inspirational, <laughs> like one or the other? So I need to tell you that for most people, right, can't say all, but for most people with disabilities, the word inspirational is like curse word. Unless, of course, I'm doing something inspirational. So if I write a book or climb Mount Everest, you can call me inspirational. But if I'm tying my shoe, don't call me inspirational. Yeah. So any other images that come to mind? So the two that came to mind as, as I was thinking was the, so the In Living Color, right? If you remember, there was the superhero that was much like Superman. And Superman is my favorite still superhero. Uh, but his name was Handyman. And when there was a fight or a disagreement or something would come that would kind of disrupt order, Handyman would come in and he had, they had the hand kind of like this and his voice was kind of slurred. And he'd say, never underestimate the powers of the handicap. Another one was the Jerry Lewis um, kind of telethons, right? So you have this image of people with disabilities as someone to be pitied or someone to give money to because 
you know, you, you were scared to live a life like that. So you were going to give money for the research. And I um, remember for my work, we were allowed to dress up uh, for Halloween. And I work for a place that uh, helps people with disabilities. So I, I got kind of a sandwich board. And on the front was a picture of me as a little kid. And on the back was a present day picture of me. And on the front, I said, Jerry's kid. And on the back was Jerry's kid all grown up, right? These images that we remember um, form what our theology is. Um, so what I've uh, strived to do is to find things in scripture or things in Christian culture for me that speak to a positive view of disability. And so as I was thinking through that, I thought of when Jesus uh, comes back in his resurrected form and he still is bearing the scars and the uh, piercings from being crucified and and yet he's made whole and he encounters Thomas and Thomas has faith and then I think about although we do communion much like you guys do here Traditionally, communion is another image, right? The broken brings wholeness or is a symbol of wholeness. Um, so those are images that I continue to use and uh, to think about as I speak about disability and theology. Um, so allowing space for a robust theology of disability. I remember talking to a friend who is completely deaf and I said, so, what do you picture like heaven or the afterlife to be like? Will you be able to hear or what's your picture? And he says, no, Latia, don't you know, like God knows perfect sign language and there won't be any like miscommunication because you'll know perfect sign language too. And I said, I can go with that. So allowing space for people to experience God and disability um, without having that uh, inspirational figure or that suffering servant like it really sucks to have a disability um, so having space for the in-between um, and part of that is teaching because I was talking at the table about the many times that I've been approached by random people uh, for healing right so they'll say can I pray for you because you obviously need healing and then they'll pray, well, they used to, now I'm a little bit more bold and say, like, I'm okay, uh, you're, you're weird. But, uh, but I used to say, okay, and then they would say, like, when it didn't happen, because they would pray for my legs, and my legs would be straight, and I'd think in my head, like, so if you really knew my disability, you would realize that it originated in my brain, so, like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so that's kind of those things of like training people to be more comfortable with what they deem as uncomfortable uh, and that normal word that disability is a part of what's common just as common as it is for me to be african-american or someone to be caucasian so we talked about words we talked about images and then uh, the last thing I think we need to think about as we strive to be more accessible or, and welcoming to people with disabilities is practices. Now I've seen a little bit of how you uh, organize your services 
but I would ask that you think about for a few moments what it would be like for someone with a physical disability to participate in this space. Um, someone who's deaf, someone who's blind, someone who has some sensory issues, maybe they have autism. Um, how would that impact the experience that they have here? So some thoughts, you can write them down and share. So someone that has a physical disability, um, what challenges might that person experience, perhaps, uh, navigating the space or participating in the space? Yeah. Maybe it's not so clear where the entry is. <laughs> I was grateful for your directions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else as a part of space? Uh, think about uh, dinner. How much? Someone never get that right. So getting the food. Yeah. So we, I, I joke with my friends that like we hate buffets because it was just like, how does that work? But then we get to make new friends and say, can you help us? That's good. Um, okay. How might somebody who is? Oh, sorry. Did you have a hand up? No. Oh, yeah. 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 I, so I'm. I was just curious, like. Even in that regard, because I've, I've, so like even with the, the, the buffet, mm -hmm. right? So I know that one of the things that I think a lot of folks would question is whether or not like, well, one, like how to ask, if it's appropriate to ask. Because I, I, because I think there's a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. that, that many folks can have. Kay. And so I feel like even, even navigating like how to, um, offer help or, or if, if that's even needed, like how to best even go about that if you want to be an advocate or, or just to, you know, walk alongside someone. You know? So I have two responses to that. So I think it's always appropriate to ask and never to assume because maybe somebody with a physical disability or somebody who's blind has figured out how to navigate a buffet better than I have, right? Uh, and so the, uh, the person will be able to say, yes, I need help. No, I don't, but don't assume that. Um, and that don't be afraid to approach someone with a disability with a question. And that if you get a negative response, know that it could just be their personality. Like, you know, people with disabilities, sometimes they're not. And another suggestion I might add, I don't know how, I know that you guys do um, meals differently depending on the week, but, uh, that maybe it would be served uh, or plated so that there's not that need. Everybody just comes to the table and eats. So just a thought. Uh, so somebody who's blind, how would somebody who's blind navigate this space? I'm not even sure that we would be prepared necessarily. In what ways? In, in, in terms of like how, how to help someone navigate the space I don't, I'm, I don't know enough about what people who are blind experience, but mm -hmm. that's what I guess I'm saying is I don't even know. I'm sorry, the first part. I'm just thinking about 
the question of for someone who's blind, how they would even comfortably get in the building if they hadn't been here before or if they weren't coming yeah. with someone else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, we intentionally put people as readers in strategic spots mm -hmm. with the hope that they'll be helpful. <laughs> 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 um, and I think we are generally, but um, yeah. I think it would be hard for yeah. a person to Even though we don't have a lot of reading that we do during the service, it's just still and then I know, like, if that person who is blind became a, a regular part of this space, um, if you knew what your songs were ahead of time, so that then you can email the songs and uh, they would be able to participate that way. Um, and then again, always appropriate to ask, um, how about somebody who might have a sensory disability or uh, a mental health disability? Could there be challenges that way? I was so proud of Chuck E. Cheese because Chuck E. Cheese is starting to have um, sensory-friendly Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. So between like 9 and 11, I guess they turn the sounds down mm -hmm. and stuff to make it more for sensory friendly. That was cool. Okay. Another thing, too, is part of the reason why it took me so long to like embrace my identity as a preacher or a pastor is that I didn't see anybody else that had a physical disability who was doing it. Now, I recognize that there are invisible disabilities and, and, and they may do it, and I don't need to know that they have a disability, that's fine, but that we would have people in leadership positions that had a disability, right? So that it could represent, uh, it's a way to represent that all are welcome. If I see someone who uh, has similar experiences to me, then I'm going to feel more welcomed that way, um, which is somewhat of a challenge, right? Because, I mean, you can't just pick somebody and tell them to come and be a part of the space, but to be intentionally maybe welcoming those of uh, those friends that you know that have disabilities. So, yeah. All right. So any questions in general um, about disability, about church space about being welcoming. Does prayer make everything all right so people that are disabled become able? Uh, so hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out there are so I'm a person who who really holds to the independent living philosophy which says that much of what you said uh, that the person is not necessarily disabled in and of uh, myself, or, but that the environments around me are, are what cause that disability, or that this, this social construct, you know, that, that we have in our minds to create an us and a them, right? So healing is kind of one of those things because, um, and there are those who, who want to be healed and, and, you know, okay, leave space for that. But for me to say that I desire healing is to say that I don't bear the very image of God just as I am. And I think that the, uh, people with disabilities uh, reveal uh, in a lot of ways something about the character of God that would be missed if we just all got healed. So, yeah. There were people, yeah, yeah. 
things have you all done there that has extended this walk Okay. So uh, we, partly because I've helped to shape that culture, uh, all of the pastors who preach, there's two other ones, um, and they don't have disabilities, but all of the pastors who preach, preach sitting down so that it's not something that's like something that I do and they don't do. Um, we are, we do serve communion every time that we meet, so we, we do that. Uh, we recite some of the creeds and the, the uh, Lord's Prayer, so we make sure to have that accessible beforehand if somebody doesn't know it. Um, we have large print uh, Bibles and books for those who have visual impairments. Um, we do serve our meal um, so that you're sitting and that's your, your, your food. Um, yeah, and we are, because there are three of us who preach, we have very unique preaching styles. And so we are con uh, conscious of making it so that it hits different learning styles. So I may uh, preach in a way that hits one, but the other two do it in different ways. Yeah. Other questions? So currently we do not, although if that need happened to be needed, it could be done, yes. But we do have Braille on our signs, um, so like the bathroom where things are in our space. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'd be curious to know, so you talk about a, like having a ro robust theology of disability. Mm -hmm. and. I'd just be curious to know what, what that entails. Because um, I know, I mean, you mentioned, like, what, what does it look like in today, like, reading something that's like, I once was blind, but now I see. Right? And, and so how, how do you, um, I'm also down with the progressive revelation of God, yeah. realizing that, you know, we're continuing to progress and drawing the circle ever wider. And, uh, and that's the language they had when they wrote the song? Yeah? Yeah. 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 So I just want to know if you, if you, if you would speak to some of that and, and how, how, how you've um, I don't know, just wrestled with some of the more problematic texts as it relates to this bill. So in, in, I'll start with scripture when it talks about how Jesus healed different people. If you look, and I've looked a lot, um, most of the times when Jesus healed, if not all, Jesus addresses their their spiritual condition right first and i think that the reason that i would venture to say that the reason why people were physically healed was not um, was not necessarily because you know it would be good to be healed but because in the society in which they lived um to have a disability meant that they could not participate in, in life, right? So they would be begging on the street. They were not able to enter the synagogue. They were seen as outcasts. So healing was more so that they are more welcomed into the community than it was something is wrong with you because you have a disability. And I think Jesus addresses that when we encounter the blind man and they say, uh, who sinned? 
and he and, and Jesus is like, well, it's for a greater purpose, right? So that purpose, I think, was more for full inclusion into the society, which meant healing. And I think uh, for the songs like that, um, so you... So you want to remember the traditions, especially because everybody knows Amazing Grace. Um, and I used to be that person that just didn't sing songs like that. Um, but to then pair it with a different song, right? And then to encourage people, um, uh, because people in our community write their own songs. So what does it look like? Um, to write about weakness in a way that's strength, right? So uh, if, and I, I often pray uh, when I'm preaching at the end of, of my sermons, I pray because there are many names for God. Um, so I'm okay with saying disabled God, right? So God, uh, because God came as the resurrected God disabled. So I pray, um, to the disabled God and offer my prayers that way. I also am mindful that, or vulnerable God, that, that vulnerable doesn't necessarily mean weak, but that there's strength in vulnerability. So I'm conscious to use that language and so that the community has picked it up as well. So modeling for us. Any other thoughts? Yeah. I'm curious with your work with um, youth with disabilities, you probably encounter people who are like buying into the to culture's idea that they are less than, that they will never, you know, reach a full potential. Like how how do you like coach them out of that sort of mindset? You know, putting those on things. They're hearing them and they're so it's it's a process, you know, uh, and what I actually encounter are parents now who say, you don't have a disability, you're just different or like you just, I don't know, they use a word, right? And so I say, you have a disability because when you go into the world and you have to explain it, you have to use the language that people understand. So I... I try to shape disability in a positive light, so I help them to define it however they would define the word disability. We talk about people like Stephen Hawking and many people with disabilities who are successful. We talk about the things uh, that we have in technology and just in our world because of people with disabilities. Texting happened because deaf people needed to communicate. Like these are different things that we need to think about. We have accessible bathrooms, but how many of you know that I've seen other people use those because it's bigger, um, that there are people who use ramps and that accessibility is not, although its original intent may be, have been to meet a need of somebody with a disability, everybody starts to use it. Yeah. So I am, I don't typically have a very liturgical background, but I noticed that as I spent my time as a chaplain, typically in the beginning of that, uh, because I walk with crutches, when I encountered medical staff or staff in the hospital, they automatically assumed that I was a patient. 
even though I had this big tag that said chaplain, right? Uh, but some days that was good because I was able to fly under the radar, right? <laughs> but, um, so I, I did this experiment of, well, what if I wore a collared shirt? Would they notice then that I wasn't a patient, but that I was a chaplain? And even then sometimes they didn't. Um, so I had to come to grips with like, it's okay. Um, if I am not recognized as a chaplain by the, the staff, because oftentimes when I encountered the families or the patients, I was able to relate to them in a way that somebody without a disability could not. Yeah, did you have a question, Eric? Yeah, I, I noticed that you had mentioned um, that you kind of prayed to a God of disability. Um, do you kind of have the same kind of analogous um, God for your gender or your being African American? Good question. I, um, you know, I have not thought about that in relation to how I identify ethnically, um, but I, I have with gender. So I don't, ha I don't have a problem with addressing God as mother or father or being. I'm sort of open to that right because there are so many images of who God is described to be so yeah all right yeah